Welcome to Ben Davis Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Davis, and I'm excited to have a conversation with you about one of my favorite things in the world, movies. This is our series podcast where I give you guys my thoughts on the new weekly releases I have access to. This week's episode, we're operating a little bit behind schedule. Uh, If you listen to our series pod focusing on Doctor Strange, which is a shameless plug, you should totally go listen to it. Then you'll know that last week was super hectic, for a good reason though, for me and my family. So I was was a little behind on all things regarding this podcast. Uh, That leads us to having another supercharged review episode with not one, not two, but three films to cover. All of which I enjoyed to varying degrees, so lots of fun things to talk about so without further ado let's get on with our reviews and we're going to start off with army of the dead and this is the latest film from director Zack snyder who is coming hot off the heels of successfully restoring his vision of justice league to great effect which i really love that movie and now he's returning to the world he first sank his teeth into the world of zombies Army of the Dead follows a group of mercenaries who risk it all to return to a zombie-infested Las Vegas to pull off the greatest heist ever. Firstly, it's no secret that I love Zack Snyder. That guy just has a direct line to my imagination and what stimulates me intellectually. His craftsmanship as a filmmaker is, honestly, to me it's unparalleled. He has single frames within movies that feel like art pieces with rich depth within each and every frame. Like, he is just a master. I love the way he can tell stories visually to convey a mood and without feeling, you know, like it has useless exposition that kind of can get you, you know, or gets me fully engaged with the characters. No one is perfect. I'm not, you know, huge on Sucker Punch. But Zack Snyder is one of my favorite filmmakers, and I'd be lying to you guys if I didn't say that he is, in fact, on my Mount Rushmore for favorite directors. He is. He has taken that fourth place, which I used to flip-flop on. He is now right there. And I say fourth place, but it's in no particular order. Um, And to see what he's, he's gone through, only to come out on the other side thriving, is nothing short of inspiring. I think he's just awesome. Uh, the zombie genre is something that I can you know, go either way on. I'm not a crazy zombie fan, but there's plenty of zombie films that I really love, including the highly underrated Planet Terror and something you know, not many people talk about as much anymore, but I remember when it came out, a lot of people loved it, uh, Warm Bodies. I really enjoyed that one quite a bit. Over the years, we have been flooded with the zombie with the zombie genre, and with stuff like The Walking Dead, it just seemed to have reached, you know, a sort of stagnant point. With Snyder being known to take new and bold takes on tired tropes to deconstruct the genre and to make it feel new, while also paying homage. Would Army of the Dead continue Schneider's winning streak and add something too new to the uh, the zombie genre? I think so. I had so much fun with this movie. It is so wild, bonkers, and fun. It reminds me so much of Aliens mixed with Escape from New York. What Zack Snyder is able to do with focusing 
on this this singular story about a father trying to rebuild his relationship with his daughter while also simultaneously and subtly uh, building a larger world including smart alpha zombies who are more than human than some of the humans we meet time loops aliens and robot zombies like this movie has a lot of stuff like that and it is nothing sort of maddeningly creative uh, the camera work is also something I found myself drawn to. Snyder is the director of photography for Army of the Dead, and here he captures this dreamlike quality with this uh, dream lens that he's talked about in several of the interviews. I can see why this out-of-focus-and-then-focus look this movie has with its POV will bother some people. But for me, I really loved how it puts you right in the view of the, what the director wants to draw your attention to, and it works very, very well. I really, really like that lens. Uh, the action, of course, is top-notch. Not as, freak as frequent as, as you would imagine, but once things pop off, they really freaking pop off, and it's really awesome. Not, you know, not many uh, direct action like Snyder does, and here it is... Very kinetic, frantic, pulse-pounding, and chuck full of zombie gore. Yeah, this movie's really, really violent. Uh, speaking of gore, the tension in this this film is really well done. Once you get into the city, there's a sense of unease that really permeates the, the screen with tension. And it never really lets up. In particular, one scene that involves a hallway that had me like leaning forward in my chair with anticipation of what might happen. Because uh, I did watch this on Netflix. I really wish I could have gotten to the theater to go see it. But gas shortage in North Carolina, that'll do it to you. Um, the performances are also quite cool with each character filling out a role for the heist team. But the MVPs of the heist team are Vanderoe and Dieter. Uh, they have such a good banter with each other. And it, it, it makes for a lot of great comedic work. That was kind of unsuspecting for me going into this movie. I wasn't expecting it to be as funny as it was. And it's got quite a few good one-liners in there. But the big takeaway for me, though, is how Snyder is able to ground this really over-the-top story with a more personal story within focusing on a father trying to reconnect with his daughter, which is something I would imagine is deeply personal for Mr. Snyder. It really helps make this story more than just a fun movie at times. And Dave Bautista, man, he kills it as Scott Ward. Not only do I buy him in the action, which of course he's great in, he's a giant, but also his relationship with his daughter, Kate Ward, who is played terrifically by uh, Ella Purnell, he has evolved into a really good actor and is able to be this very big and intimidating guy while also managing to be super vulnerable as a performer which for a big guy that's six five 200 and you know however much he weighed when he wrestled i think he was like 285 pounds which i i think he's probably a little less than that these days but still a guy that size being able to pull off vulnerable not many people can do that his evolution as an actor, has made the wrestling fan in me very, very happy. I wish him nothing but success. Uh, the themes are also something I quite enjoyed. It's not overdone, 
but they do make some political statements that are handled pretty well and I thought its themes of redemption, fatherhood, and of course the Joseph Campbell's hero's journey that Snyder loves are laced really well throughout, which creates a modern mythology that I really enjoyed thinking about after watching it. Uh, having said all this praise, though, I, I do think Army of the Dead does lean heavily on the tropes in the past that have been done time and time again. This can cause you know, some scoffs if you aren't really into that sort of thing. Uh, I also found that there is some character stuff within the film that irritated me. Uh, none of which involve the daughter, by the way. I know there's been some nitpicks on that, but for me, it, it's, it's never really involved her. Just some stuff that doesn't make sense in terms of the characters. Mostly just minor nitpicks to an otherwise pretty awesome movie. Uh, Army of the Dead is something I felt like was specifically made for me. It has a direct link to my imagination, much like Snyder, which makes sense. And it really tapped into that for me as a film fan. Snyder is really at the top of his craft, and I can't wait to see more of this world because this movie does set up a really expansive world in a very, very subtle way. Uh, don't want to give anything away, but really pay attention. You can see the, the time loops, the aliens, and the robot zombies. They're there. Just got to pay attention. Uh, this gets an A- minus from me. I, I had a lot of fun with this movie. Moving on to Cruella. Cruella is the latest animation to live-action film focusing on the origins of a popular villain character from a classic animated feature, and this time we are treated to our second live-action interpretation of the infamous titular character Cruella de Vil. This film follows her as she is determined to make a name for herself in the fashion industry and along the way she adopts the personality that embraces her wicked side in order to overcome the evil Baroness Von Hellman in a revenge-driven plot. Disney has a spotty track record for me when it comes to their animation uh, to live-action remakes. I really enjoyed Beauty and the Beast, Cinderella, Aladdin, uh... Which Aladdin, I haven't liked it as much on repeat viewings, but I still had a good time with it. Uh, the Jungle Book, and I even kind of liked the, I can't really call it live action, but I really liked the uh, Lion King. Uh, I know that's not a popular thing to say, but I don't say what's popular. However, Maleficent, Dumbo, Alice in Wonderland, and this one broke my heart, but Mulan weren't really my cup of tea. Uh, Corella seemed to be a bit bit different though, as this is directed by uh, Craig Jalepsby, who is coming off of directing Itania, which is a fantastic movie, and he's directed other films like Laura's in the Real uh, Real World, uh, Real Girl, and the remake of Fright Night. I really enjoyed all these films and thought he was a great choice to tackle this film, especially one of this nature. This is also starring Emma Stone, who is, in my eyes, you know, she can't really do any, anything wrong. She has so much charisma as an actress and has proven over the years, including getting an Oscar on her mantle for her turn in La La Land, that she is one of the best dramatic actresses, if not the best working today. Just pure actress. She can do anything. I, can't, I buy her in anything. Uh, she had a lot to live up to, though, following getting close in my eyes, because I grew up with that. 
but she has all the talent in the world to do it and really make it her own. Given the talent attached to the or to this movie and this body track record, would this live action Disney remake slash retellings, you know, with all that, would Corella stand above the rest of all of them or would it fall? You know, I'm happy to report that not only is Cruella quite good, but it also manages to be its own thing while respecting the character and where she is when we get to see her in 101 Dalmatians. We get what we get is a mix of Devil Wears Prada meets Joker meets Ocean's Eleven. Now, listen, I know that sounds like an odd mix, but believe me, it works. This movie doesn't shy away from what Corella will become and who she is, but it also adds layers to the character so that you don't feel, you know, terrible rooting for her. Cruella isn't afraid to get dark and show more complexity than I'm used to with these Disney remakes. She's a villain, but we see what led her down this path and leads to some excellent scenes from Emma Stone getting to showcase her amazing skills. Speaking of Cruella, Emma Stone is amazing in this movie. I loved her her take on this character and was so locked in uh, to her as this iconic character. Emma Thompson also gives a standout performance as the absolutely terrible Baroness. She is devilishly evil in all the best ways and much like Emma Stone had me locked in and this movie really hinges on those performances because they... They nail it, and they are so good, so captivating. I was also so pleasantly happy with Joel Fry and Paul Walter Hauser as Jasper and Horace, who are more than just bumbling idiots, but are what help Corella still hold on to her good side of sorts. Uh, the dynamic they have with Cruella is one of my favorite parts of the film, as it f- feels very much like a sibling relationship, with all of them being this sort of odd ball family kind of vibe to it i really dug it music choices are something i can see a lot of people nitpicking or not liking as much because it's you know very self-referential to the time this movie is set in but as a huge fan of the music of that era i was jazzing away to the music that was playing uh does it get a little too much at times sure but i enjoyed it uh, my gripes for this film were mostly that i can it could feel a little long in the middle I'm usually a fan of letting a story breathe with a longer runtime, but I'd be lying if I didn't say this this film feels super long in the middle. It, it held, still held my attention, but it, it this film could have tightened up some of the story beats that felt a little repetitive at times. All in all, though, this was highly, highly entertaining to me, and it surprised the heck out of me. It has some knockout performances from Emma uh, Emma Thompson and Emma Stone, a kick-ass soundtrack, and is able to tell this story and make it feel like its own thing while also not losing sight of the original source material and what those characters will eventually become. This gets a B-plus for me. Again, I I really, really enjoyed this movie. I really did. I want more Disney uh, live-action adaptations like this. This is this is what I want. I, I really enjoyed this. And last but not least, we're going to move on 
to A Quiet Place Part 2. And this is the sequel to the 2018 smash hit that really surprised and shocked audiences. Uh, And this film picks up right after the ending of the original and follows the Abbott family as they venture out into the outside world where they find out that the creatures that hunt them are not the only threat that lurk around them. I love the first uh, Quiet Place. John Krasinski proved he was more than Jim from The Office. That film was all about direction, and he proved himself to be a master behind the camera, capturing unbridled tension, horror, thrills, and a real surprising amount of heart and emotion. That's what made that first film stand out. It wasn't just cheap jump scares uh, to me. I was so invested with this family and how they were dealing with the world crumbling around them while also dealing with their personal lives crumbling around them after an incredible tragedy. It made this crazy, intriguing premise stand out, not to mention incredible performances from Emily Blunt and Melissa Simmons. They were amazing. Um, my only question going into this film is how could they possibly top the first one? Well, they somehow managed to do just that and be just as good. A Quiet Place 2 is every bit as good as the first movie. From incredible opening sequence we see in the initial attack to the final shot of the film, I was absolutely riveted. Uh, much like the first one, this film is all about direction. John Krasinski does an absolutely outstanding job. He creates tension out of nothing at times, making someone crawling into a window space one of the tensest scenes I have ever seen. He's, again, never loses sight of the emotional journey of the characters, too. Always, He always puts them first, and that's a sign of a great director. Krasinski can now do whatever he wants in my book, and no matter what it is, I'll be there for sure. Because he is, he's special, man. And the performances, again, are top-notch with Emily Blunt and Melissa Simmons, but the addition of Cillian Murphy is terrific. He's one of the most underrated actors working today, and it was great to see him in more of a lead role in, for such a big movie. In many ways, I found his journey to be the heart of the film. You know, someone without hope who learns to see as our main protagonist, Reagan, and kind of gets that hope back a little bit. I hope that's not too much of a spoiler, but I I really enjoyed his arc. That's the thing about this movie, though, that I love the most. It's all about hope. Hope for the future and seeing those younger than us take up the mantle to lead the world into a better tomorrow. It's a powerful message that in the wrong hands could come across as hokey and cheesy, but because of the excellent writing and direction on display, it is able to execute this flawlessly. My only gripes for this film are they're minor spoilery nitpicks that really aren't worth having a full discussion on. It's mostly just things that irritated me that the characters did. Uh, so, but again, it's kind of spoilery and it's not really worth talking about. At the end of the day, though, A Quiet Place 2 is a worthy sequel to an exceptional horror film. If you love the first, this will certainly grab your attention in the same way. Uh, This gets an A from me. That is it for this week's show, though. Again, I apologize for the delay. Uh, promise next week we'll be back on a normal schedule. I think we only have one review 
for next week. Uh, the Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It, which I'm pretty excited for. I love the first Conjuring. The second one, I don't like as much, but I still really, really enjoy it. Um, one of my favorite theater experiences is seeing The Conjuring 2 in theater uh, with Carly hiding away, which was pretty funny. Um, but until then, hit that subscribe button. Rate slash give us a review. It helps us out a lot. Um, yeah, make sure if, you ha- if you're listening you haven't at least liked it or anything like that, make sure you do that. And if you would like to give us a follow over on Instagram or TikTok at Ben Davis Movie Podcast, that would also be a, a lot of fun. You, I post some funny things every now and again on TikTok. Uh, anyways, guys, till next time, stay classy. Thank you.